Welcome back to Bird's Eye of You. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is August 11th, 2020, and this is episode 303. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll go around the bases to review the week that was Orioles baseball. And then we'll keep going, going, and going. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what is your drink this week? Uh, Jake, I'm going with a simple gin and tonic this evening. Uh, I've got some Hendrix gin, some good old-fashioned tonic water. It's not your classic Tuesday night gin. Nice. Nice. I'm living vicariously. I am working my way through uh, some. I, I don't want to measure by fingers, Scott, because I, I'm... I'm I don't know how to do that, but I'm working my way through some Maker's Mark, and um, it is delicious. You don't just pour until you're just like, that looks good enough? Because that's what I do. I, I pour until it looks like a bad idea. And you're doing that over ice or no ice? Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, here's the thing. Um, I, I know a lot of people are very like, oh my gosh, like, what are you doing pouring it over ice? I, I have tried Whiskey Rocks. I've tried doing Neat. I don't know. Like, I really feel like doing it over ice makes a world of difference for me. I mean, I, maybe that just makes me a sissy girly pants, but... Yeah, uh, I have no pride. I am not manly enough to to drink it straight. I prefer it with the ice. I, I have read some people say that that's the way you're supposed to do it and that the little bit of, you know, water or ice, you know, actually brings out the flavors. Look, I don't care who's right and who's wrong. I just think it's delicious. I just like it when you go to, like, a nice restaurant and you get one of those, like solid like circles of ice um and just those were the days that we could actually go to a restaurant i'm sorry those o's were the days my friends um well i'll tell you my brown liquor glass whether it be scotch or or whiskey is a uh i mean i don't know how old it is but it is a roy rogers orioles giveaway there you go there you go and uh it's the only thing that brown liquor in my house tastes good in so uh, thank you to uh, to Roy Rogers, I guess. I'm not sure if uh, Roy for, Rogers was an it. avid, uh, you know, brown liquor person, but um, hey, you know, you do you, Jake. <laughs> All right. If you're interested to see what beers we're drinking throughout the week, please come join us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MAGN8606. And with that, let's go get bandaged up and head on over to the medical wing. A few folks in the medical wing. It is filling up just a little bit. Let's start with Pedro Severino, who's a little banged up. I would say he's fine. Uh, but he was held back from the lineup the other day with a sore wrist after being hit by a pitch. Not a major injury. No, not a major injury whatsoever. Um, he'll he'll get through it is the best way to put it. Um, next one is John Means. 
He's currently on the intake testing list. Um, he was on the bereavement list um, earlier this week. Um, his father passed away. Condolences to him and his family on that one. Um, and, you know, we're just waiting for him to get the intake testing back. I can't imagine this is going to take too long um, based off of some of the other test screenings that we've seen go on. Um, I would expect that he'd be available in the next, you know, 24 to 48 hours. Okay. Someone who's not going to be available that soon is Hunter Harvey, still experiencing the elbow soreness. And earlier this week, uh, Brandon Hyde, Mike Elias both asked about him. And the, uh, the answer was, eh, he's probably still good three weeks away. Which is interesting because, you know, just a week ago it was out ah, there, but he's probably about three weeks away. Um, <laughs> this screams shut down for the season, correct? Um, you know, I, I can't think of any reason to rush him back. I mean, Especially in this season. I mean, at this point, you know, still probably a good three weeks away is basically what we're calling the Cardinals now. So, um, oh, jeez. I mean, true, but rough still. Yeah. All right. Jose Iglesias is on, is, uh, he's got some left quad ouchies still going on. Um, you know, I, I, this is a bummer. It's a bummer that this nagging quad injury is, is still taking place because Iglesias, you know, had a hot start at the plate. Everybody raves about his work in the infield. You know, not quite to this level of talent, but he has that very J.J. Hardy feel of, you know, the infielders respect him and he goes about his work, you know, the right way and he's productive on the field. Uh, it would be nice to, to get him. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you bringing this up. Um, however, um, you butchered his name, just like Scott Carso, um is always butchering Anthony Santander's name. Uh, Jake, uh, his name is not how you should pronounce it. It's Ho Zay Iglesias. I see. And would, would Ryan Wagner back you up on that? Um, we'll have to get him for commentary at a later point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if Ryan Wagner is going to be okay with just saying Ho into the microphone, but. I, I should know after all these years not to take you seriously. But when you told me that I had been mispronouncing a player's name, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. I've probably been doing it the whole time. Oh, my goodness. Is there anybody else in the medical wing that we should be worried about at this particular moment in time? I don't think so. Um, I, I think that's it for the time being. Um, overall, the Orioles are managing to um, escape you know, pretty well um, through – the thick and thin of everything weird going on in this world. So, hey, in in this year, it means a lot when you say that the Orioles are pretty healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Jake, start us off. All right. First, I want to start with a phrase that Orioles fans, especially Orioles fans of a certain age, can absolutely confirm. The quote is as follows: "I regret charging him because he's a loser." This, of course, is a tweet from Bleacher Report. It tweets at Bleacher Report uh, talking about the altercations between uh, the Oakland Athletics and Astros hitting coach Alex Cintron. Yeah, that's right. He had a cup of coffee with the Baltimore Orioles wearing number 13, I believe, and playing shortstop. Yeah, you can never trust shortstops in Baltimore. <laughs> They're always going to start trouble. Yep. Jake, next week goes from Jim Salisbury at J Salisbury NBCS. Hold on to your butts, Jake. Um, during tonight's game versus the Orioles, Philly starting pitchers ranked number five in the majors with a 3.20 ERA. All right, that's pretty good. Philly's relievers rank last in the majors 
with a 9.87 ERA. Woof. Yeah, it, it's, it certainly looks like if the Orioles could manage to get to the bullpen, they could see success. But I think we know in classic Orioles fashion, they're going to show that the relievers in the bullpen are going to basically blank them through this entire series. <laughs> um, yeah, it's again, I don't really take too much out of ERAs as it relates to relief pitchers. You know, I think, you know, FIP and XFIP, um, and even coming back to like win probability add is better, you know, measure of a pitcher. Um, I think looking at walk rates and K rates are going to be a better thing too. I, I think this is interesting, but I wouldn't go um, too crazy about this at this given time. I'm just excited to think that somebody could blow the game and it won't be us. Hey, that's exciting. We'll take that. Just like Zach Burton blew a game with the Yankees. So we'll take it. Absolutely. All right. Next, we're going to go to a tweet for our times. This comes from, oh, I'm going to butcher this one. Danny Favare. Favare. <laughs> Danny underscore Favare. Uh, if 2020- Are you making fun of Wade LeBlanc now? I'm sorry. Wade LeBlanc. I'm doing no such thing. I'm just I'm just laughing at my inability to read. That's all. If 2020 was a tarp, hashtag nationals, hashtag Orioles. Yes, the nationals uh, grounds crew performance with their tarp perfectly encapsulates this whole year. That That's an excellent observation. Excellent op- observation. Uh, so, Jake, um, we have a little bit of a reputation. Um, what? Yeah, I imagine that. Um, British Baltimore Orioles fans, and you can follow them at British Orioles, posted a T-shirt of the Orioles, and apparently this has been making the rounds for other teams too, like the Reds have one, and I've seen. Um, but it is uh, four of the greatest Orioles of all time, Brooks Robinson, Cal Ripken Jr., Frank Robinson, and Jim Palmer, crossing uh, in, in in classic Abbey Road style. Um, Jake, what, what do you think about the lineup, number one? Um, well, and and what do you think about the placement of each of these individuals? Well, that's, that's I think, the interesting thing. You know, all the time we have the discussion, who is the Mount Rushmore of this? Who is the Mount Rushmore of that? I get the reference. But I think who is the Abbey Road is just possibly more important. Um, so, you know, four of the greatest Orioles of all time. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. So we've got, uh, we've I mean, got Palmer. We got Palmer. We've got Robinson, Cal, and Brooks, left to right. Um, so I've got some issues yeah. here. I've got I've got several issues here. Um, okay, are we really calling Cal the Ringo That's of the group? That's what I was going to go to. Like, who wants to be the Ringo of the Baltimore Orioles? Abbey Road. That is unconscionable in in my in my view so i i think if you're going to pick um someone that is going to be the ringo of that group i think it's got to be palmer right well of those four sure but if i was going to say the, the ringo of the order oh well that'd be, like, well, be like kevin gregg right? yeah that's a whole different topic but again if we're going <laughs> with you know the mount rushmore aspect you know i would basically say well out of that group palmer yes, is palmer. the ringo um, yeah, if we're thinking along the lines of like, which one is going to be, you know, Lennon, um, what are you thinking? You know, it's a difficult topic. I'd have to give it a lot more thought because really, you know, at, at that point, 
you know, who is who is the poet? Who is the philosopher? Who runs their mouth most? Which one's the quiet one? Not, but, right. But, but but Jake, we're 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 talking about John here. We're not talking about Paul as the poet. So, but what I'm saying <laughs> across the four, across the four. Let me just say. I like the reference, and I dig the fact that people brought it to our attention. Thank you very much for for bringing me in on this, and thanks for uh, basically eating up a giant portion of my brain on a work day trying to figure out the Orioles' Abbey Road cover. Yeah, so if I'm thinking here, I'm thinking Palmer's got to be Ringo, Frank Robinson has to be George. Uh, I'm going to put Cal as Paul, and I'm going to put Brooks as John. Um and I'm not super satisfied with that order, but again, it's hard to, uh, in essence, uh, assign personalities from the Orioles to the great Fab Four. I I would flip uh, uh, Brooks Robinson and Cal uh, Ripken Jr. I think that Cal is far too uh, cranky to be a Paul. Ooh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. But you know, John's a little out there, and I'm not sure if Cal's really out there. Well, uh, dear listeners, let us know who your Abbey Road cover would be. You assign the characters as you will. And don't be held to the Orioles Mount Rushmore. Give us your own uh, Fab Four as it relates to Orioles from historical times. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our next tweet. There were lots of of, uh, tweets to, to pick from for this. I chose a pick. Uh, I chose a tweet from a an account called Baseball for All at Baseball for underscore All, which is a 501c3 nonprofit providing opportunities for girls to play, coach, and lead in baseball. Go ahead and check them out. The tweet is as follows: This is happening. We repeat, this is happening. And it's a link to a news article about a League of Their Own reboot series ordered. Uh, for Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm pretty excited. Amazon Video. I'm pretty excited about this. Scotty, you know that my view is that A League of Their Own is, is probably the greatest baseball film of all time. Uh, and so to see more stories uh, from this era and these you know amazing women be told uh, is... is uh, I'm so here for it. I'm very excited. Yeah, especially if there's going to be a focus specifically on African-American women in baseball um, during the 1940s and 1950s. Um, There's a lot of really great stories there. Um, And if they can actually kind of focus on that, um, like Mamie Johnson, I think would be a really interesting one to focus on. Um, I think there could be a lot of really fun um, aspects of this kind of given TV series. So, yeah. Uh, when I saw this announcement, I was really excited about it as well. Probably not as excited as you were, Jake. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, super excited. I, I also think 21st century, you know, 2020 storytelling versus you know the 90s when the original film came out, uh, it'll ha- certainly have a different tenor. Uh, completely agree, uh, Jake. I, I have a question. At, at what point are you going to buy yourself a Rockford Peaches uniform to wear? Uh, you assume that I don't already have one. That is a good point. You did go to American University. <laughs> All right, Scott, before I get in any more trouble, let's take a quick break and let's take a stroll around the bases.
All right, let's do it. Let's go around the bases. There's a lot going on here in the week that was in Orioles baseball. Let's start at first base. And Scott, I'm guilty of a little rosturbation. Let's talk about some moves. Um, Keegan Aiken has been called up to the big club from uh, alternate site Bowie. When will we see him? Um, I think this week at some point, don't you think? I mean, we have to. I, I don't think he would have been called up for nothing. Uh, it's possible that, you know, with what they knew about their plans for John Means, that they knew they were going to be short in, in the starting uh, rotation. So you think he might make know. a spot start? I think it, it makes more sense than uh, using the rotation. Either either that or using him in a in a game in which the starter gets knocked out early or, you know, hits pitch count or something. You know, he's not a guy that can be brought in unless it's a clean inning because he's been a starter, you know, his entire minor league career. I, I would expect to see him either get spot starts or to get, um, you know, to follow up a glorified opener. Okay, that, that's that's a great point. I mean, you're absolutely right. He he has been a starter for his entire minor league career. Um, I, I do think it actually makes sense for him to potentially get one of those spot starts um, just to see what happens. Um would be interesting to see him potentially come out as like an uh like an opener and only go for like three innings and then maybe switch it up a little bit. Um but yeah, I think that we're going to see Keegan Aiken um at some point this week. Um and you're probably right that he probably gets slotted into that starting rotation. I think there's an opening right now for Sunday's game off the top of my head, um, where it hasn't been announced yet. Um maybe that's the game that they actually go and play. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I mean, we, we we thought there was a pretty good chance that he get called up at, at some point. I, you know, I even wondered aloud, uh, recorded on this podcast, no less, uh, as to whether or not, you know, he may have gotten a, a call uh, with the expanded rosters uh, to start the season. Uh, but, yeah, now we'll, we'll see what we've got in him at the major league level. And I got to be honest, I'm not I don't feel one way or the other about Keegan Aiken. I, I am excited at the prospect of seeing some of these guys here in this, you know, 60 game preview that is 2020. All right. So, you know, I'm a huge, uh, we're, we're both aspect, uh, big things of, you know, social distancing and, you know, maintaining empty stadiums at this given time for Keegan Aiken making his major league debut. Do you think the Orioles do anything to potentially, you know, invite his family out to the ballpark, put them up in a suite and basically say, Hey, we want you to be able to see, you know, your son, um, you know, your cousin or anything like that uh, to basically make his Major League Baseball debut, debut? Or do you think it's just business as usual and you can watch on television? No, nah, I think it's just business as usual, okay. unfortunately. And, you know, it's interesting because I think it's uh, Suspetta's Family Barbecue that's basically keeping track of everybody's Major League debut this year because it is so weird for those players. Yeah. Okay, just curious. Um, in other news, uh, the Orioles put a claim out today for Jorge Lopez. Um, he p- was put on the IL today for kind of undisclosed reasons. It's, it looks like it's probably COVID uh, intake testing, similar to what John Means is currently going for. Um, Jake, added to the 60-man roster, you making anything of this of any significant value? No, I mean, I think this is one of those moves that, you know, the club makes when they they see an opportunity to, you know, maybe squeeze some value out of the fringes of somebody else's roster. Uh, I, you know, I saw a tweet today that talked about, you know, hey, take a look at his curveball. Um, I, don't, I don't think this is anything special, but when you have a club like the Orioles that doesn't have a, a crap ton of talent, 
um, trying to, to steal some some fringe players from a, a waiver claim is the way you have to do business. So, you know, I don't, I don't have a feeling one way or the other about it, but it will be interesting to see uh, what we what we get out of them this season. So I, th- I think, you know, looking at the beginning of the season, uh, when we had two Rule 5 draft picks, you know, I, I look at a move such as this with Jorge Lopez and I say to myself, that's someone that probably is similar to a Rule 5 pick in reality. Um, you know, hasn't figured it out yet, has the potential, but again, certainly nothing of significant value, but could be that good relief pitcher arm that you're looking for. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just using advantage of the given, you know, situation as it relates to, you know, roster management um, and trying to find, you know, hidden gems um, such as Jorge Lopez. But we'll see if we ever see him in the majors at any point. All right. Next, I want to talk about the fact that the Orioles finally did what they had to do, and they sent DJ Stewart back to Bowie. Uh, what do you think of the 2020 DJ Stewart experience? Uh, I was, I'm done with it. Um, I don't want to see DJ Stewart anymore. Um, he had his chance. Um, I, I, I don't think he has a future. It's, it's, as, it's as simple as that. Sure. Um, do you think that that's particularly damning of the Orioles drafting of that era, or do you think it's just a, a pick that didn't pan out? I think it's particularly damning of the Orioles scouting and drafting. Um, DJ Stewart was not someone that I thought they should have picked at that slot. Um, I didn't like it as soon as they did it. Um, I didn't like that they had to come back and completely redo his mechanics at the plate. Um, not a huge fan. Um, that's the best way I can put it. I, I'm, there was a lot of other players around that time that they could have gotten, gone on and got, and instead they went with that. So, um, yeah, hopefully we uh, make changes um, in the future. Um, well, I guess we've made changes, um, but hopefully we never do something like that again. Here, here. All right, the last thing I've got from the rosterbation section is that uh, Ramon Urias, or Urias, I apologize, I, I don't know, uh, has been added to the taxi squad for the Phillies series. Um, you know, interesting I, I think this is completely about the fact that Jose Iglesias has got that uh, quad issue going on, and they want to make sure that they can bolster the, the middle infield. I completely agree. Um, and again, just showing that you can have depth uh, and use the taxi squad to your advantage. So again, I'm perfectly, you know, this, this makes perfect sense. And again, it comes back down to these are the small moves um, that can make a bigger deal um, in a season that actually matters. Yeah, it's interesting to me because, um, you know, if if we if we had a healthy uh, Jose Iglesias, the guy that would be getting, you know, the, the next call up or, or the guy that would be, you know, on the bench would be Pat Valaika, right? Who's really Correct. been, you know, kind of in a in a uh, elevated role. Right, because we're actually getting some some uh, at bats for him. So it's nice for a guy like Valaika to, to get that kind of exposure. But I, I will say that I, th- I think that the fact that, you know, Valaika is having such a, a good uh, time while he's been while he's been featured is another one of those good signs for the, the ability of the Orioles, um, you know, to build that um, to, to build that depth. You know, it's almost with Valaika like we've got that Ryan Flaherty type character. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, the, the rest of these guys, Urias or, or Urias. Uh, is is really just the add-ons beyond that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think looking at this team and, and looking at someone like Pat Valaika in terms of you know even coming up and having that pinch hit home run, 
um, as it relates to Saturday night, um, there is a lot of um, nobodies that are, you know, in essence, having some big moments, um, you know, early on in the season. But again, we're already 30% through the season. And it's, I, I, I want to be careful with this, um, but it is eerily similar to 2012. And the reason I say that is, you know, you're coming in here, you're looking at the Nate McLeod and everything like that, and you're like, these guys don't have a chance to win. Um, and yet somehow they are stringing together um, wins, um, maybe not in, you know, dominating fashion like we see with the Yankees, um, but in a manner that is most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, most of the time, good fundamental baseball um, with timely hitting. Now, again, the Marlins series obviously wasn't that, um, but we have seen, you know, higher quality baseball than we were expecting to come into the season to see. Sure. Sure. All right. Anything else that the uh, roster has to offer us this week, or should we go along to second base? Let's go to second base. All right, Scott, I have a question. And frankly, I'm tired of the fact that I keep asking this. Is Miguel Castro getting better? Oh, good question. So um, he's 25 years old, right? Um, And we've always talked about like, well, maybe Miguel Castro turns the curve this year. And I don't know, like you you look at the numbers and it's really interesting. Um, You know, he came into the season projected to be at, you know, maybe like an 8.2 case per nine. And right now he's at 12.2 case per nine. But the thing that's so mind boggling to me is his walk rate. His walk rate historically has been right around like 4.6. He's at 2.45 walks per nine. Um, so he's improved his strikeout rate. He's bottomed out his walk rate. He's not giving up home runs anymore. Um, you know, his BABIP is pretty typical to being what you would expect. I, I don't think Miguel Castro is as good as he is right now. Um, you know, he's got some peripherals from his ground ball rate and everything like that that are absolutely mind-boggling. However, I will say that if you watch his pitch movement that he's throwing out there right now, Miguel Castro is pitching some filth. Like, he is really, really good right now. Yeah, the movement on his sinker and his change, his, his change, I mean, he's changed like 92, 93 miles an hour. But the the movement on, on both of those pitches has been really, really impressive. And, and the thing that obviously allows for that is the fact that his mechanics are right right now right and the the fact that he is you know six seven or 12 feet or whatever it is that he is tall that's always going to be the challenge right is is how smooth can his mechanics be how repeatable can his delivery be and that will be the the judge of success um but, but i have been delighted and surprised by what i've seen from him the only problem is i mean there there are two things i'll say about this first of all I know what it's like to be washed up by the time you're 25. So I know it's possible. Uh, And secondly, you know, I I feel like we've been fooled by this before, Mm -hmm. right? We've seen flashes from Miguel uh, Castro. I was ready for him to be the fifth starter when he showed up on this team because I loved what I saw. Um, And so, you know, I I, want to steal my heart a little bit. Again, we're only talking about seven innings, right? 7.1 innings pitched. But if he can... If he can keep that up, man, what a weapon he would be in a bullpen. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think, you know, coming back to the Hunter Harvey talk that we had earlier in the, in the segment, you know, the Orioles are going to need to figure out who is going to be 
um, their their bull, bullpen arms going forward. And if Miguel Castro could be that individual to give them one or two innings, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you know it's going to be extremely valuable. Like I said, um, I, I we always talk about luck versus you know skill, and you know just watching the stuff, right? Uh, or the luck dragon. Um, it, the stuff just looks like it's playing right now. And like I said, it looks like he's got control and command. And the one thing I will say too is, you know, ever since Elias and Sigma Dell came in, we have seen an increase in terms of K rate and a reduction in terms of walk rates through the minors. Um, and I'm wondering if some of that information is starting to translate to certain members on the major league club. I'm not saying everybody, um, but Miguel Castro being 25 years old, I wonder if he he got something, um, if he figured something out um, through you know some sabermetric analysis that was occurring. Scott, I spent so long during the dark ages just eating up being sold false bills of goods, right? Like, oh sure, the cavalry, it's coming. Okay, great. So, how long do we let Miguel Castro pleasantly surprise us before we? Before we let our guard down, right? Like, at what point can we say to ourselves, maybe this is for real? So, I I agree with you. I think seven innings is a little premature. Uh, I would say, though, in two more weeks, if we see similar performances, I think we've got to admit that something has changed in Miguel Castro's repertoire. I'll be excited about two things in two weeks. First, if Miguel Castro is still doing this, huzzah. Second of all, if we still have a major league season in two weeks, absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I I think you know, you're right. We've only seen seven innings, but we've also seen you know seven games, and it's still been really consistent. Um, I'd say let's see another seven games. Um, let's get to fourteen or fifteen innings, and if it still looks good at that point with similar stuff, um, then I think we might have something on our hands. Yeah, I I would love for Miguel Castro to become a dominant back-end bullpen arm. He is just so fun to watch when he's on. The problem is, is that when he's not, it is not fun to watch. But he's, you know, he's got all the tools, right? All the length, all the, all the velocity, sick, ridiculous movement when it works. Uh, you know, please keep it up. Miguel Castro, we'd love to see it. So Miguel Castro came in on, on that Saturday game to close it out and get the save. Um, are you putting Miguel Castro into that closer position or are you kind of continuing to bounce around with players as it comes about? Cause it doesn't look like Brandon Hyde is willing to settle on a closer. He's just going with the hot hand at the given time. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to see how much I've evolved on the, the closer position, you know, just from a few years ago, uh, uh, to be honest with you, I don't care who pitches the ninth inning, what I care about is the sixth or the seventh inning when the starter's on the ropes, when the bases are loaded, who I can go to that I know is going to be nails. And if Castro is going to be that guy, great. And frankly, you know, if he's not that guy and it's going to be Gibbons or whoever it else, you know, eventually someday Harvey, once that guy is spent, it'd be, it'd be really nice to know that I can go to Castro and the drop-off's not going to be that bad. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else we need to talk about Miguel Castro? No, I'm just going to look longingly into his pitches. All right. Well, let's go to third base and let's talk about weird rules in a weird year. So obviously we've got to talk about Sunday. Um, and the question is, why are we making up games this year? I, I understand that there is a major league baseball rule in, in effect 
um, to kind of address mechanical issues that can occur. Um, but in this given year that we are in, why are we trying to play extra games uh, and making it more difficult uh, for players? I mean, are we really going to come back to this weekend, play three games against the Nationals? Oh, and by the way, you've got to play an additional three innings uh, beforehand as well. It makes no sense. I mean, it, there needs to be uh, an, a, a thought process here of like, I realize that's the way the rule is written for a normal season, but we're just ripping that up. Like, that's not going to be the case. Like, MLB should have intervened here and said, no, like, you're, this game is done. You're not playing it again. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. There is no reason for us to, to let's go back to the old system the old system was if you get to five and a half innings or whatever you get to five innings call the game yeah call the game and, and again i think it it comes back to that mechanical failure standpoint per that one rule of they basically just don't want it to be um you know an issue where something prevented um the field from being taken care of but uh, again i come back down to in a normal year i'd be like no big deal we're already a shortened season. We're already dealing with a bunch of other repercussions. Um, I, I I just don't understand how Major League Baseball and the Major League Players Association didn't come in and just be like, "No, we're not we're not doing that." <laughs> if if we're willing to live with seven inning games, correct, because of scheduling, we should absolutely be willing to live with five inning games because of rain. Correct. No, I, I completely agree with you uh, on that. Giving regard of. Uh, we have made up rules um, so many times this year. Um, I don't understand why we are not, in essence, chucking this rule into the basket. I am shocked um, that, again, this was upheld. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. All right, Scotty, let's uh, let's round third. Let's head into home plate. I want to talk about this year being, so far, a tale of two seasons. The club sits at seven and seven, seven wins, seven losses. You know, this past week is a really good example of that. Got swept by the Marlins in four, a team that could barely field a team. And yet the Orioles had, let's call it two and a half wins over the Nationals, the defending world champions. What what do you make of not only this week of Orioles baseball, but what do, what do you make of the season? Well, I mean... I, I know we keep saying that we're like 30% through the season, um, but, I mean, we haven't played that many teams. I mean, they're just an extremely streaky team. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they couldn't muster out uh, a win against the Marlins, but again, they got shut out for two games. They were both very close games. Um, and, you know, even that last game, you know, their bullpen, their starting pitching all imploded. Um you know, we talked about clutch hitting throughout the entire season. There was none of that during the Marlins se- season. Um, so what do I take of it? I take of it is, you know, the Orioles are not a really good team. Um, they're not going to win a division. Um, they're, they're not going to be, you know, blowing our socks off. That being said, I also don't think the team is a really bad team as well. Um, I think that they are a mediocre team. And that is... That is mind-boggling to me, that I can call the Orioles a mediocre team coming into 2020. Um, my prediction was, coming into the season, that the Orioles are going to win 14 games. The Orioles are, with, are without their their two best players in John Means and Trey Mancini, and yet they're still managing to go out there and win baseball games. Um, if you can't watch and follow this team right now, 
and just have a little fun with it every single time they go out there and make things competitive, then by God, you're not an Orioles fan. So as much as you know, people get on me and be like, well, you're so negative against the Orioles, I'm not negative. I'm realistic. Um, but the, at the end of the day, this is really fun baseball that we're watching right now. Um, and, and people need to be tuning into it just to see what happens. And isn't that what we always want to see? That's what 2012 was all about, is just seeing what happens. We watched a ton of games. Um, we stayed up late way too many times, especially on the West Coast for you, Jake. Um, I, I think we're going to get into a similar bind, as it were, for September, where I think this team is going to be floating around a playoff spot. And a part of me tells me it's not going to be that big of a deal because if they get like an A spot, they're just going to get knocked out by the Yankees. But in the playoffs, any, but in the playoffs, anything can happen. That, I mean, that's the craziest thing is like anything can happen in the playoffs. If, if you get hot, you can go ahead and knock out anybody. I mean, great example was the Royals in 2014. Um, I know that that hurts for us, but again, they got hot. Um, in the rain, yes, but they got hot. against my window. So pane. who knows what could happen? And it'll be really interesting to me of if the Orioles are in a playoff push um, going into let's call it mid September. Uh, do the Orioles and Mike Elias basically say, "Hey, we're going to push some of our chips in, and we're going to take a little service time onto our contracts, um, but we're going to put out." a heavy laden prospect team in order to try to do something at this given time. Let's go get our asterisk. Well, <laughs> I mean, who cares at that point? I mean, again, if, if, if you got a, a championship, I'd be like, don't care if it was an asterisk hey. season. We got a championship. I got a trophy. Like I'm hanging a pennant. We, we have winning teams hang asterisks, right? I, like I said, <laughs> but I, I think it's, I don't care. I think it's hysterical that we're talking with the seven and, seven, and and this is not a critique of you at all. But I think it's hysterical with just the 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 way the season is unfolding, twenty twenty being ridiculous. That we're talking about the playoffs, we're talking about late September games with a seven and seven team, and, and you're not wrong about any of that. You know the the way the season is set up, a team like the Orioles could hang around if they play like they are now and uh, and surprise us. I just that's flabbergasting. Yeah, I mean, again, things can turn really quickly. Um, I think we're also somewhat riding our high from Sunday's game where we're ahead. Um, mm-hmm. I think if we would have lost that game um, and, and lost the lead, I, I think, you know, the general sentiment um, could be somewhat different. Um, but that again, you know, we're watching a game right now uh, for Tuesday night and the Orioles are again are playing really fun baseball. They might not win it, um, but Right now, they're leading, uh, coming back from being down 3 nothing, And again, they're just playing really fun, entertaining baseball. Um, baseball that we haven't seen in quite some time, probably since 2016, in terms of um, a fun, a little quirkiness as well. Um, it, it, it's like seeing an old friend again. That, that's the best way I can call it. All right. All right. Well, Scott, we have gone around the bases. We okay. have reached home plate. We just covered a tale of two seasons. But when have we followed the rules, Scott? I say, let's keep this segment al- alive. We've gone around the bases. Let's head back to the dugout for, uh, our, next, uh, for our next topic. Correction. Asked, Can we actually be in the stands underneath one of the pavilions uh, as opposed to actually being in the dugout and not participating in social distancing? 
my God, so you're you're so right, and I apologize no for problem. putting your health at risk. I that was irresponsible of me, and I will I will strive to be. I, I appreciate that. They also have cup holders down there too, which are nice for me. Ooh. Yeah. All right. All right. So we'll go. In, uh, for, we'll continue around the bases, and we'll go back to the stands. Um, let's talk about trade chips. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I'm curious. In this very short season, you know, we just had a ridiculous discussion about hanging asterisks. So you know, maybe teams are in it to win it. What do you think the best the Orioles could hope for if they decide, you know, selling is their thing that they could possibly get back from a, uh, a rental in a 60 game season? Uh, you're, so we're talking about someone like Alex Cobb, for example. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even think of anybody else that would be a, a good candidate. Hanser Alberto. How long is Hanser Alberto under con- under contract though? I think he's under contract for for quite a while. Um, so I yeah, don't think the Orioles are, are touching that. Um, but again, I think someone like Hanser Alberto would be really interesting to a lot of teams. Of like, hey, I, I can make something with with that. So um, I, th- I think if he continued to do well and was healthy, uh, Jose Iglesias would be a, a, sure. a decent trade ship. But yeah, Hanser Alberto, especially with the DH being in both leagues. Yeah, Hanser Alberto is uh, not a free agent until 2023. Um, so the Orioles have him for a good amount of time. Is the best way to put it. Hmm. Um, so Alex Cobb, I think, enters into a similar boat of like Andrew Kashner. Um, where I think the Orioles trade him. Everyone thinks they're going to get a lot more for him than they actually get. Um, but in the end, they get, you know, some international prospects that maybe rank out at like 15 or 20 in an organization. So nothing of major quality or quantity. Yeah, I, I can't imagine anything of value coming back. To be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Orioles, even if they're way, way out of it, just to stay on pat. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't think there's anything they're going to be able to do that will move the needle. And, and frankly, I, I don't think that there's anything with the 60 game season that we could really do to cut costs either. Uh, you know, we've already shed Jonathan VR. I mean, we can't afford that. Well, you know, what can we afford? Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I will be interested to see Alex Cobb's performance. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he'll follow the Andrew Kashner, uh, uh, model and get us two teenagers. Um, but honestly, at this point, I think we are what we are and we're just trying to get through the season to see, you know, how far we can get. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, you know, we've gone around the bases, we've headed back to the dugout. All right, let's just call this game quits, Scott. Let's, let's go back. Let's, let's mill around in the clubhouse a little bit. Uh, let me ask you this. We've had some time to watch the Orioles, but we've also had some time to observe the other changes in the organization that the Orioles have made. You know, they obviously made a commitment to upping their game uh, on the broadcast, both <clears throat> making changes in, in television and radio. What have you what have you thought about the radio broadcast? Um, I've had the opportunity to listen to a few games, uh, particularly with Jeff Arnold and Melanie Newman on the call. What are your reactions? So. I've listened probably more on the radio than I have on TV. Um, and I don't know if that's just due to my, my schedule or not. Um, but, you know, one thing I will say from a TV standpoint is Scott Carso does nothing for me. Um, I, I've watched him at this point. I've watched him for probably about five to six games on TV. And it just is, 
it's like sitting at church listening to a sermon. It's not bad, um, but it's one of those things of like, oh my, right, how much longer do, do I need to be here? Um, which is the last thing I want to be thinking about when I'm thinking about baseball. Um, and then we've got Kevin Brown and Jeff Arnold who have been doing most of the games to date. And I think those two are a very good pair. Um, again, I see them very much more like um, like a podcast host. They've got good witty banter back and forth. Um, and they kind of talk about topics as it relates to the team, but Major League Baseball as a whole. So I appreciate that when there's kind of dead air. It's not the same kind of um, old man humor um, that we used to get through with Joe and Fred. Um, but still, I appreciate the banter, as it were. Um, and then I listened more recently now to Jeff and Melanie. And I got to say, I am really impressed by Melanie Newman. Um, I just feel like I was expecting something completely different um, when I started, when I you know first tuned in to listen to her. Her tone, her delivery, it's so good. Um, and just her pacing of the entire game uh, in terms of how she's calling it, how she lets Jeff kind of pop in from a color commentary standpoint and then pop back out. She's just really good at what she does. Um, and, and again, you can tell that she's got a lot of experience kind of doing this. Um, but the Orioles went out and really got someone that really surprised me uh, just in terms of how good she is uh, behind the mic. Yeah. I mean, first, first, just to touch on Jeff Arnold, any former bird's eye view guest is welcome in my radio booth. Um, and Jeff, I'm, I'm begging you, please tell us more about cowboy monkey rodeo. Um, but yeah, I think you're spot on about Melanie. I've really enjoyed her, uh, insight in the booth as well. And I also think she's, she's gifted with the, the play by play. Um, it's also cool as, you know, the parent of a daughter, right, to, yeah. to be able to, to you know, kind of point at this moment. And we, we talked about this in the past with uh, Sarah Perlman and with, uh, you know, with uh, Amrithia Harris. If you are going to hire women in your organization, give them something meaningful to do, right? Don't Absolutely. just make them sideline reporters. Give them something to do. Uh, hire quality people and then empower them to do it. That's just what the Orioles have done. Um, and I'm I'm delighted here. Here's a question for you. I'm thinking about the future of the broadcasts. I I don't want to think about a future. After Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer, that that's something I'm not ready to, to even admit. But let's just set that aside for a second. Can you imagine a, a scenario in which the Orioles, uh, you know, go down the path of simulcasting the radio and the television? You know, for a, a, a team of its size, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, we, we talk about Masson. We talked about Masson contracts before. Um, we've talked about the profit margins that are present in Masson. I wouldn't be completely surprised if, you know, in, in, at the end of the day, um, Masson and Orioles Radio Network become a merged entity, as it were, um, and that you know the broadcasters become that. Um, it is a different style in terms of TV broadcasting versus radio broadcasting, um, and I would be interested to see how well that goes. Um, but like I said, for the time being, um, I've been really impressed with the radio announcers and the redoing of the broadcast booth. Um, I thought that it would take a while for me to find someone that I enjoyed as much as I like Joe and Fred. Um, I, I do think that the trifecta of Kevin, Melanie, and Jeff 
um, are going to uh, be that group for me uh, going forward for quite a long time. Cool, cool. Delighted to hear it. All right, we've we've uh, we've milled around the clubhouse for a little bit. Let's let's go back to the bubble. All right, let's just take a load off. Next topic, Scotty, is this. You know, we talked a little bit about it with the tale of two seasons, but my question is, how has this season compared with your expectations? You're talking right, about we, Major League Baseball on a whole, not just the Orioles, right? Oh no, I mean, I mean the Orioles. Okay, how the Orioles. I mean, sure. I mean, you can expand that to, to baseball. We, we we thought baseball wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't last beyond you know a couple of weeks, and, and maybe maybe it won't. Um, but talking about the Orioles first, you know, how has this team met, failed, or exceeded your expectations? I mean, they are already at seven games won. I said they were going to win fourteen, um, and we're only <laughs> you know quarter to thirty percent through the season. So. I mean, in my opinion, I, I've mentioned this before, this is a really fun team to watch right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of good baseball being played. There's a lot of frustrating baseball being played. They're a super streaky team. Um, but this is the kind of um, team that you can turn into, not have to watch the entire game, but watch four or five innings if you want, um, just to kind of get your mind off of things. And you can watch some really fun baseball being played. So, um yeah, I mean, they have blown apart my expectations in terms of um, the performance on the field um, and then also um, the entertainment value uh, that comes with it as well. It's that second part that I'm I'm the most interested in because I feel like, you know, you look at, at the current roster and you say, this is, a, this is a placeholder team, right? This is not the team that's going to win. But, but when I watch that team, I'm not bitter about it, right? Like instead, you know, I look at it as, oh, this is a scrappy team that's, you know, going to exceed the expectations until the w- real winners from the minors can get here. Right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, where, kind of similar to that commentary that I had last year, which is like, why should I be watching? Like, yeah. what's the point for me to watch? Like, why do I need to be emotionally invested or why can't I just check in in the box scores? And I think what's different this year is um, the predictability of it. Um I feel like the Orioles are doing things differently that we haven't seen a while. Like they're hitting with runners in scoring position. You've got certain prospects coming up um, and you want to see how they're performing on a day and day basis. I mean, Austin Hayes started the season really poorly this week, a little bit better. So you're watching that journey progress. Um, and like I said, you know, a string of wins here, there and them doing weird and interesting things um, can kind of, bring you back to watching the team more. I'll be honest with you. You know, I watched, you know, the first two games, of the Marlins series kind of checked out a little bit after they lost the first two games. <laughs> um, you know, didn't watch the nationals game on Friday because I had somebody over drinking drinks with me on my porch. Um, but was following on with my phone and was like, Hey, Orioles are up 11, nothing. Um, and then came back on Saturday and watched the Saturday game and was entertained by being down by three, nothing. And then, ending up winning that game to five to three and then watched all of Sunday's game. I think that, you know, that entertainment standpoint is going to be very similar where it's going to be as much as the Orioles are streaky. We as fans are going to be streaky. And if the Orioles are playing good and wacky and fun baseball, um, I think it's an opportunity for all of us to be turning in to watch. If the Orioles are playing really bad defensive fundamental baseball and there is in essence, nothing to look at or look forward for, then there, there's no good reason to be turning into these games to watch them. Um, but at this time, 
I have, I'm definitely watching a majority of games at this time. Yeah. And for me, you know, it's fun to see guys that aren't part of the future. You know, Rio Ruiz is not going to be on the world champion Baltimore Orioles. I don't know right? about that. Really? I think Rio Ruiz might actually be uh, uh, a, a piece. Oh, my goodness. Dude, what? The dude is only 25 years old, right? And yes. he's playing a really, really decent third base so far. Um, and is showing pop like... I don't know. Like, I I, I kind of like what I'm seeing from Rio Ruiz. Like, uh, he's not even arbitration eligible. He's only got one year of service time. I, I I don't know, Jake. Like, Rio Ruiz could be Rio Ruiz could be something. In, in order, <laughs> so I'm delighted to see what, I, what we've gotten from him so far. Yes, he's he's uh, playing playing an adequate third base. I, I'm going to go on record and say Rui Ruiz is going to be the next Jonathan Scope. Okay, okay, that you know it's it's interesting to to say to hear you say that because the the thing is that he's you know yeah he's on the younger side, which means that he's going to peak at what 27, 28. Yeah. Um, and how high can the ceiling go? If he can be the caretaker at third base that allows you to, to, you know, fill the rest of your roster with the prospects and then, you know, buy, buy the rest to plug the holes, uh, it'd be nice to get a complimentary player out of Rio Ruiz. I, I don't know that a guy like Rio Ruiz is, but, but right now I'm loving what I'm seeing, you know, from him, a guy I expected nothing from. I, I love what I'm seeing from Renato Nunez, who just just clubs the ball despite the fact that he has so few tools. You know, I love that we're seeing from Hanser Alberto, who again, you know, is, is aged to the point where I don't think that he's going to, you know, be what he is, you know, during the, the O's next good run. But in the meantime, even, even if none of these guys are future pieces, it is fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, real ways, I know it's been early in the season. He's only played nine games, posted on a one twenty five weighted currents with rated runs created plus, Again, is also posting a positive defensive positioning. And, you know, if you look at the defensive metrics for the Orioles, they've been really positive. Um, probably went down a little bit tonight after the Davis Gaffa, but we saw the difference of having Ruiz out of the lineup and not at third base. And in terms of putting someone out like Renato Nunez out there, um, Rio Ruiz has been really impressive so far this season in terms of both defense and also power. Um, and again, if we look at his scouting reports that have been out there um, over the past, you know, it's been this aspect of the power that he has and his throwing and fielding have been what have, in essence, kept him to potentially be a major league baseball player. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be a great on base percentage hitter. I think he might hit for, you know, 20, 25 home runs at most. But man, if you have a 20 to 25 home run third baseman, um, and someone that can field above average in the field, I'll take that any day. Like, that's not Manny Machado, but that's Jonathan Scope at third base. Like, we would have taken that in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. I, like I said, I'm I'm on the Ruiz bandwagon. Like, I really like what I see from Ruiz. Um, I even had a, I have a, a friend, I'm confessions time, everybody. Uh, I have a friend that's a Yankees fan, and he came out of the series that we played against uh, them and said, who is Ruiz? He's really good. And I was like, yeah, he's he's starting to come to his own. And then he's there just he's just like, well, when's he become a free agent? I said, no, 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 no. Like, I, I've seen that game played before. Like, we're not <laughs> playing that game right now. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I think he's an interesting player for us to keep an eye on. <laughs> can, can we just refer to him as future Yankee? Every no, we cannot. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tear through my heart like that. <laughs> Dear listener, if you see it on Twitter, anytime you see Rio Ruiz, future Yankee, that's me tweeting. Yes. <laughs> How about you? What's your, your uh, expectations so far for the season in general? Well, I mean, it's been exceeded by the fact that they're actually playing games. Uh, it's a lot more fun than I was expecting to have. Like, I was desperate for watching baseball. And and so the fact that they they are winning is, is fun, uh, you know, at, at least as often as they're losing. What I will be interested to see for the rest of the season is if the Orioles, you know, uh, don't continue to to win, right? If they if they have a, a losing season, how many games are there going to be that we just feel out of, right? Because mm. the the real the real mark of the dark ages for me was I knew when the games were over, right? I knew you know second or third inning, this you know it's not going to happen today. Very very few surprises. Even if the Orioles don't have a, a good win loss record. If they can play competitive games, if they can play interesting games, if they can play a season where I don't feel like the team is out of it, you know, right from the start, that will have exceeded my expectations. Um, so far, they're, they're doing that. So, um, I, you know, I am kind of hopeful uh, for the entertainment value they can they can bring this year. I'm not quite ready to say, Scott, oh, this has a very 2012 feel to it. It, it doesn't yet for me. Um, but I... I yeah, again, I love what I'm seeing just because I was I was prepared to see some ugly. Yeah, I mean, let, let's just put in perspective. I mean, we're sitting here on a Tuesday night, and while we are talking through this segment, the Orioles conducted a delay steal of home plate. Now, it, it, the, the ruling was overturned, and, and the runner was out, but you had a double steal where Andrew Velasquez tries to steal home plate. I mean, this is just fun entertaining baseball um and, and again this is what you want to see in terms of wanting to turn in every single night just to see something different as opposed to going through the motions um so i i'm in for it at this point I, i'm i'm ready to you know experience the wackiness the heartbreak that it is um but you know it is what it is i, I still don't think the orioles are going to be very good uh, i think i'm going to be a little under in my uh, over uh, under in my projection uh, from 14 wins, I think they'll probably be, you know, closer to that 25 to 26 games of wins. But again, I, I'm here to see what the journey progresses, um, and we'll see how long we can actually play baseball, as you mentioned, Jake. All righty. Well, we have gone round and round and round the bases. Is there anything we missed, Scotty? I don't think so, unless you want to do a double steal of home plate. I do not want anything <laughs> like that. All right. Well, let's go ahead and figure out who was good. Who is bad and who is likely this week? That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started. 
mostly because the quality of Scott Magnus's rants greatly exceed the quality of my own. Uh, I'm going to start with good, and my good will go to Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes had a good week. He had a 112 weighted runs creative plus. He had a heck of a catch the other day in center field. But the thing I think is that's most interesting uh, to me is the way he responded to being sat down, you know, to get a breather because he was on the struggle bus, right? Austin Hayes is a guy that we all want to do well. We all can see the tools. And at least for this week, I liked what I saw from him. So for me, Austin Hayes is good. My good's going to go to Brandon Hyde, Orioles manager, uh, putting out there two pinch hitters that hits back-to-back home runs. Uh, yeah, that's that's a special aspect. I mean, there's a little bit of luck there, but man, that's a, a fun aspect to see Pat Vilekia and Pedro Severino come out there uh, to put the game within arm's reach. So yeah, uh, Brandon Hyde, uh, well played. That will go down in Orioles lore. Hey, pushing all the right buttons. Absolutely. My bad this week is going to go to Wade LeBron. Uh, Wade LeBlanc this week, six runs on uh, seven hits and a walk over three and a third inning. That's not a good look. No, no. No, that's bad. Yeah, I'm going to go with a similar one. I'm going to go with Tom Eshelman. Um, pitched in two games, seven and a third innings. Again, Tom Eshelman doesn't do anything for me. Um, he's just a body out there. Um, K rate's terrible at 3.68. Walks per nine is at 1.23. Um, home run rate's high for him at 22.2%. Uh, Tom Eshelman is just bad because he's a nothing, and I want to see something this year. Um, and there's a lot more interesting pitchers besides Tom Eshelman that I want to see more of. So he gets my bad for the week. I agree. Uh, Scotty, I, I saw him in a post-game conference, uh, uh, post-game press conference this week. He had a dour look on his face that was so eerily reminiscent of Matt Albers. It, it broke me. It broke me. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and go to ugly Scott. I think I'm cheating. Um, have we retired Chris Davis from Ugly? I, I think we have, um, but because the rules don't matter um, and the points don't matter this year for Major League Baseball. Points. The games are made up and the points don't matter, right? You can uh, you can go with it. I appreciate that. Thank you. Chris Davis was ugly. Uh, you know, he had an eight weighted runs created plus. Again, the average hitter has a weighted runs created plus of 100. He had an eight. And add to that a 31.6K rate. Chris Davis just not getting it done. Not not a good look. Jake, I'm going to double up on you and say Chris Davis is beyond ugly. We're going to put him back into that lock category here for ugly. So we're going to both choose him from ugly this week. Jake, there's no reason Chris Davis belongs on this club anymore. Just like DJ Stewart was sent packing, Chris Davis needs to be sent packing immediately. I understand that he has a voice piece, a veteran leadership, but at the end of the day, Chris Davis is doing nothing but taking up a body in that clubhouse and in the lineup right now. People talk about, well, at least he's there for his defense. Uh Uh-uh. Chris Davis is not there offering anything of defensive value, as we have seen from this evening, with a two-base error that helped the Phillies go up 3-0. Chris Davis, you know, it, it, it was nice while it lasted, but the time has come. Um, if the Orioles are going to get to the playoffs this year, it's time for you to pack your bags and go home. Playoffs? Playoffs? Talking about playoffs? Darn right, we're talking <laughs> about playoffs. 
goodness. All right. Are you ready to blow the save? Yeah, go for it. Scott, I've been, you know, reading a little bit about about baseball around the league, and I got to tell you something. I kind of feel terrible for the city of Buffalo and its baseball fans. Okay. Buffalo, New York is is a minor league baseball season or baseball city. I know they've got you know the Bills, and that that's great. They are a minor league baseball town, and yet because of this crazy world, they get Major League Baseball in Buffalo. They they are on display nationally, and they can't take part in that. That's a real bummer. You know, the, the city of Buffalo is playing host, and again, you know, whether or not the facility is worthy of a Major League club, that's not their fault, but they are playing host to Major League Baseball in 2020, and baseball fans in Buffalo can't go see it. That is an that is a real bummer. I mean, you know, think about Baltimore in the the era between the Colts and the Ravens. You know, if they were able to host uh, an NFL season, you know, for for one reason or the other, one year, and how devastating it would be if if you know Baltimore couldn't show up to to celebrate and experience that. I gotta be honest, I kind of feel bad for the city of Buffalo and its baseball fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, it's it's a difficult situation. I I wonder, you know, we talk about the possible expansion of of baseball. I, I think that baseball is probably right sized at the moment. But, you know, we've talked about it in, on previous shows, you know, Portland or Charlotte, you know, like what's San Antonio? What's the next big Nashville? What's the next big market uh, for baseball? I, I wonder, you know, if this goes right, if Buffalo can put itself on the map for getting consideration to, oh, I don't know, get half of Tampa's season or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. It's just a. Bad situation all over. <laughs> and, you know, that that's basically what what 2020 is. 2020 is a bad situation. Uh, it, it, it's it's Buffalo in baseball. Season. Oh, my goodness. Uh, look, I, I'm all for more Buffalo sports, especially if it's, um, you know, putting Blue Jays fans through tables um, like the Buffalo Mafia. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it, it like you said, it's, it's baseball in Buffalo. All righty. Well, that. That is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review this show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media all over the place. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, on Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. 
Let's go O's. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.